Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Wisdom Awakening. I'm your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Great to be with you again today. I want to get right into the word early, uh, but I do want to advance this commentary. Um, as we are seeing, as the facts are unfolding, and I think they're going to continue to unfold, and I think we still have to, to some extent, withhold judgment about what happened in Uvalde in terms of the police response. Uh, but what we are seeing uh, suggests to us that there certainly does need to be uh, uh, an investigation to figure that out thoroughly and, and also to give some real guidance uh, in terms of what we need to do from here. And, and frankly, I think this incessant drumbeat of gun control is a waste of time. I think we need to look at hardening our schools uh, I think we need to figure out why the door that allowed this man to get into the school was left open. Uh, there's still some, they say a teacher opened the door, put a rock in the door, took the rock out, shut the door, but the door did, still didn't lock. It should have locked. And so these are all, as far as I'm concerned, these are, these are yet to be answered questions as to exactly what happened. But we certainly need to figure out what to do to harden our schools against shooters coming in and doing damage. And of course, I'm in favor of training any teacher who wants to be trained in the use of firearms so that teachers can, op can carry, they don't have to open carry, but they can carry in the school and be trained to deal with the potential of uh, an active shooter situation. Uh, I'm in favor of placing safety officers at the schools to be there. That's a very, very expensive proposition, but my goodness, our children need it, it seems. Uh, so we, we need to do whatever we can do. We, we've also got to get much, much better about spotting these potentially dangerous people. This, this young man was dangerous. It was obvious that he was dangerous. He was posting things that suggested that he wanted to do harm to people. He was arrested four years ago, apparently, for threatening to shoot up a school. Hey, here again, you know, there are plenty of ways to, to, to point fingers and people at whom to point fingers and, you know, and all of that, but we've simply got to get better at preventing this stuff. I mean, quarterbacking it after 21 people have lost their lives is simply not good enough. It's just not good enough. We've got to figure out a way to deal with these matters and prevent them. And here again, we've got 300 million guns in America. All of this talk about gun control is just ridiculous because you're not going to confiscate guns from the Americans who have them. You're not going to stop criminals from stealing guns when they can get them. And you're certainly not going to stop guns from coming into the country because wherever there's a market for something and there's a criminal market for guns underground, those things are going to move. Those things are going to be transported. They're coming in. And this idea that somehow we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna make Americans give up their, their high-capacity magazines, uh, we're going to make Americans give up their pistols that shoot 9-millimeter rounds, we're going to make Americans give up their AR-15s. I mean, that, that's, you know, that's pie in the sky. It's ridiculous. In fact, when I talked to you yesterday about judgment, one of the things about judgment is it is always better if you're not forced otherwise. It is always better to wait until the dust settles, 
to make big decisions. It is always better to, to try to see things in their proper perspective before rushing off with all this new policy and all these new reactions. You know, when I was in law school, uh, I, I can't remember which professor said it, but it's probably familiar to those who have gone to law school. Hard cases make bad law. And basically the principle was meant to say, when you come up with complicated, difficult situations, that is an invitation to make bad decisions about how to deal with it. So you really need to stop, consider, look at the situation, and really take the time to think through what the best policies are to prevent these things in the future, as opposed to rushing off headlong and proving that you care by passing some stupid thing that probably won't hold constitutional muster, particularly the way Joe Biden was talking, but is com completely ignorant of firearms, completely ignorant of firearms. Talking about a nine millimeter round will blow the lung out of your body. I mean, uh, you know what? I'm not even gonna dignify that kind of stupidity. I, I, I just can't believe that we've got a president that's stupid and a vice president who is even stupider, but that's what we've got. Uh, I, I will say this before I get on to the word. Folks, this upcoming election is crucial. It is crucial. We've got to vote these rascals out of office. We've got to put a House and Senate in place that can put a check on Biden's wrecking our economy and wrecking our country. Uh, we have got to have people who deal with these matters thoughtfully, not being bound by some sort of uh, uh, pie in the sky fantasy uh, ideology, but by the practicalities of the situation. You know, you can talk about gun control all you want, but it's not guns that are killing people. It's people that are doing that. I mean, let's get practical. Let's get real. How about talking about mental health treatment for people like this kid who apparently had already said that he wanted to shoot up a school and he finally did it. He told everybody what he was going to do and he, and, and basically it just got kind of got swept under the rug and forgotten until he finally got the job done. Now we're all talking about it now. These schools need to be secure. I mean, why, it, how, how can you have a door uh, to an elementary school, if what we're being told is true, you shut it and it doesn't lock. How, how does that work? How could that be? Either somebody's lying, because they say the teacher put a rock in front of the door to hold it open while she went and got something from her car and could come back in that door. See, here again, that shouldn't even be permitted. When you think about it, that should not be permitted. Unless you have an individual at that door, guarding that door, and that person then comes and knocks and you open up and let that person in because you know that person just went out to their car and you, I mean, maybe something like that. But maybe the policy ought to be you go out one door, you come in one door and no other doors are allowed to be open. Because that open door, however it happened, became an entree for that shooter. I mean, just imagine if the shooter had not been able to get into the building, it would never have happened. Just think about that. What about gun control? How about keeping shooters out of school buildings? 
I mean, that's something simple to do. And they didn't manage to do that. But now immediately they want to go to law-abiding citizens. Folks, I won't even tell you how much 9-millimeter am, ammo I have. It would be an embarrassment. I'm not even going to tell you. <laughs> but it's the common round for most pistols in America. And it's certainly not the largest round. It is certainly not what anybody who knows anything about firearms would consider a high-powered round. You're talking about 50 caliber, 45 caliber, uh, 40s, 357s, um, 556s. Five, five, not, that's not that big a round, but still, it's a, it's a very, uh, it's, it's, shall we say, it's a more powerful round than the 227 for, say, an AR-15. But, I mean, a 40 mil, a, a, a 19 mil? I mean, I, forgive me, a 9 mil? Give me a break. Give me a break. Yeah, that was, that was, that's going to solve everything. Um, and this whole issue of, here again, how many lives could have been saved if the commander in charge of that incursion into the school had immediately gone into that classroom? How many lives would have been saved if they had immediately breached that classroom? They waited an hour until they had killed 21 people? Here again, I, you know, I, I, I don't want, I refuse to believe that that man somehow wanted these children to die. I refuse to believe that. But he was clearly very, very poorly trained or in spite of the training, he just wasn't up to the task. Because they should have breached that door and gone in there and gotten that guy immediately. Immediately. It has nothing to do with gun control. It has to do with the training and, and, and behavior of law enforcement. So, there's a lot of figuring out to do, and I think we need to take the time to really get all the facts and get them straight, and then figure out what reasonable, rational policies would have prevented this in the future. See, that's the other thing. They always go to this gun control stuff, and there's not a single policy they pass that would change the outcome. So well, what if they outlawed and you couldn't buy a gun at 18 years old? Well, first of all, that's a state matter. That's not really a federal matter. And you have to remember the nature of our country, farming, pioneering. You know, a kid at 18 years old is in many ways an adult and is certainly capable of hunting, certainly capable of, of possessing a firearm at 18 years old. It is only in this, this hyper uh, criminal environment that we have that now people are questioning that. You think somebody raised on a farm? They're probably shooting when they're 12 or 13, let alone 18. It's not that this kid was 18 years old. What if he'd been 21? That would, that would have somehow been, oh, well, that was okay for him to then shoot up a school. I mean, 
they come up with a whole lot of stuff that doesn't make any sense, doesn't change anything, but I guess it makes them feel better that they're doing something because they're gun haters anyway. Really, what they really hate, they hate the autonomy and independence of the American people and our ability to defend ourselves. That's what they don't like. That's what they don't like. I think they don't like that more than they don't like guns. The guns simply represent a level of American independence and freedom that they don't like. Because they don't like freedom, not for us. Like, I'm, I'm talking about these elite leftists, which has become really what the Democrat Party represents. They don't like freedom for us. They like it for themselves. They don't like it, they don't like it for us. So you can, you can rest assured, the politicians, the celebrities, all these pro-gun control people, you can rest assured if they're high enough profile, they have people around them who are armed to protect their lives, because their lives, of course, really matter. Ours don't. Well, enough of that. Let's go to um, 2 Thessalonians, which I thought I'd already done, uh, chapter 2. Oh, this is good. I'm, I'm, I'm doing quite well today. Let's see if we can continue on this, this track. Okay. Um, let's see. Did we finish up? No, we didn't finish up chapter two. We'll finish up chapter two today, and then we'll go on to chapter three. Uh, so let's begin at verse 13, because I know we covered verse 12 in, uh, in some detail. Well, you know what? Let's actually go back, because this, this, this stuff about the Antichrist is, it, 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 you know what, even, even if I'm repeating myself somewhat, it's really worth dealing with, because I think we are, we are in the, we are clearly confronting the spirit of Antichrist daily in our country. The spirit of Antichrist, that anti-God, anti-Christian mindset that is so prevalent today, you know. The left is trying to associate Christianity with being white. You know, somehow Christianity is the religion of white supremacy. I mean, you, you don't, here again, you don't know what to say about these folks except they're just demon-possessed, just, just straight demon-possessed because they bought into that lie. So let's begin with, uh, with, with chapter 2 and... Um, We already talked about the day coming, um, unless it comes first falling away, and I talked about the falling away. So let's let's pick up there. Let's pick up at the. Um, in fact, you know what? Let's just start the second chapter all over again, and maybe maybe I can get to a good part of it because it's been a while since I've covered it anyway. It's been a while since I've been back to it because I was gone for a while, and then I came back and talked about other things in light of this shooting. So let's let's pick up at the second chapter. It says, now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Now, we covered that. The, the, the word Jesus Christ has not come back yet. It's not some kind of symbolic, uh, ethereal, uh, ephemeral kind of wishy-washy type thing. When the, Jesus said when he comes back, it'll be like lightning that shines in the east and is seen in the west. 
In other words, his glory is going to cover the earth as, as the waters cover the sea. We, you are going to know that Jesus Christ has returned if you are alive when he comes back, if you are in this earth when he comes back. It says, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And I've talked about the falling away. I said, we're already in that era, that era right now. There is a falling away now, a rejection of God's word. And you see this expressed in these, these ministers who are out dedicating abortion clinics and out marrying homosexuals and saying, well, the Bible has some of the word of God, but all of it is not the word of God. And you can disregard a lot of that. It was just prejudice. It was, Paul didn't like women. Paul, did, you know, all, all kinds of excuses. But it's all blasphemy because the Bible is the inerrant, infallible word of the living God. I was just watching an AFR uh, documentary um, a couple days ago, The God Who Speaks. And you can get that on AFR.net, but The God Who Speaks. You ought to watch it if you haven't. But they basically go through the development of our scripture and our canon and, and, and really make the case for why the Old Covenant is authoritative and is important to Christians because it was important to Jesus and then how the new covenant developed, was written, unfolded. And they say even of the manuscripts that we can find today, there's proof that 99.9% .9 of the scripture that we have today is accurate. It is what we were given 2,000 years ago. Now, I've met a lot of idiots. Say, well, you know, the Bible's been changed and the Bible, <laughs> you know, I just think, you know, this ignorance gone to seed and bringing a great harvest. They don't know what they're talking about. They've never studied canon. They've never studied the, 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 the historicity of Scripture, how Scripture came to be, why apocryphal books were excluded from the Scripture. They don't know anything about any of that. They, they just heard somebody said it, and they think it makes them sound smart to say, you know, the Bible's been tampered with it. The Bible's been changed. And you have to hear these scholars all saying, no. 99.9% .9 of the Bible is absolutely, unequivocally what, what, what we had 2,000 years ago. And we can prove that by manuscripts and, and fragments of manuscripts and, and copies of manuscripts and things that have come down through the ages. Now, what they say is that those areas where, okay, we're not absolutely 100% sure are not areas of, of questions of essential doctrines, but a little more like the spelling of words, like um, was Matthew or Mark's gospel, did it spell the word um, gatherings as gergesenes? Because you, because you find some manuscripts that say, Gadarenes, some manuscripts to say Gergesenes. Well, that, that's not an essential issue. That's not something that goes to, is Christ God? Did he die on the cross for my sins? Was he raised the third day? Is the Bible true? I mean, those words are very much alike anyway. And then they talked about some other words. So that they're really sort of minor things that, okay, is, it, is the word spelled this way or is it spelled that way? But there's, there's not a single major doctrinal question that can be raised 
based upon the continuity of the old manuscripts written on papyrus and the, and, and the version of the Bible that we have printed today. Now that's the truth. The word of God is true and infallible. But there has been and continues to be a great falling away. It says, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. So in other words, the day does not come until the falling away comes first, which I think is already happening. The man of sin, the son of perdition has not been revealed. It says then he has to be revealed who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship. <clears throat> and hear this so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. He will claim to be God. Now, let me share with you something I shared in my Memorial Day message. And here again, I won't try to put it into context. You'll say, how in the world did that find its way in the Memorial Day message? You have to listen to the Memorial Day message and you'll see. I talked about the fact <clears throat> that Satan is the first trans personality. You know, this whole notion of transgenderism, a trans man, a trans woman. I said Satan is the first trans personality because Satan is a trans deity. Because Satan was created to be an angel, but he wanted to claim his identity as God. I may be an angel on the outside, but I'm God on the inside. And I pointed out, and I'll point out to you again, and the Antichrist will also be trans deity. He will be a man, but he will claim to be God. A trans deity. He will sit in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. See, that's trans spirit is a spirit of rank and utter rebellion against the authority of God and his creative decisions, his creative choice. God made me a man. That was God's creative choice for me and for my life. It is utter rebellion and profound spiritual and moral confusion for a man to say, well, I may be a man on the outside, but I'm a woman on the inside. But that's the spirit of Satan who said, well, I may be an angel on the outside, but I'm a God, I'm God on the inside. And I demand to be recognized as God. In fact, I'm going to overthrow God. What do you hear in this whole homosexual, what I call the SPCG movement, sexual perversion, child grooming movement? What do you hear? We've got to overthrow the patriarchy. We've got to overthrow heterosexuality. Heteronormativity. It's just rank, demonic rebellion against God. And it's really Satan playing out in the natural but he's already played out in the spirit. 
See, Satan is a trance because he was made by God to be an angel, but then he decided on the inside he's God. So now he wants to be seen as a trans deity. But let me tell you something. William Thomas, who calls himself Leah, is no more a woman than Satan is God. They can be trans all they want. And yes, Bruce Jenner, who calls himself whatever, I forget what he calls himself. I don't even want to know. Bruce Jenner is no more a woman than Satan is God. I don't care what they feel. They're just confused. They're just morally and spiritually and psychologically twisted and bent and confused. And all this drag queen story hour for children, all this stuff is just, is just their moral and spiritual and sexual confusion and evil. But that's the spirit of this. See, here's a man, a man, the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship. In other words, he doesn't want God's order. He doesn't want God's way. He doesn't want God's authority. He doesn't want God's law. He opposes all that. No, 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 no. I don't want to hear that. A, a man can get pregnant. Yeah, right. So he opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God as its worship. So he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he's, he is God. So some man joins the women's swim team, showing himself that he is a woman, but he's not. He's a man. And he can put on sequin dresses and he can throw on lipstick and he can, he can do whatever they do to try to remove that beard and, and mustache and... He can try to raise the octaves of his voice and try to talk all feminine. I don't know. I mean, whatever he, did. but he's still a man. And the woman can cut her hair into a butch haircut and she can try to take hormones, see if she can grow a beard or grow a mustache and, and she can wrap her breasts up and she can, she can throw on men's overalls and try to walk like a man and, try to lower the octaves of her voice, but she's still a woman because that's who God made her to be. Just like Satan is still now a fallen angel, a demon, because God made her to be an angel. And instead of accepting the, the status that God gave him and the identity that God gave him, he wanted to create his own status. He wanted to create his own identity. Yeah, he's the first trans. It's a demonic movement. It's rooted and grounded in Satan. And all these Christians in all these prominent positions who would hear this, and, and I'll, you know, saying something like this, of course, I'll be denounced by all the mainstream media. Oh, did you hear what he said? Oh, that was terrible. Well, first of all, they need to know if you're not a Christian, it's not for you anyway, because you're a spiritual dunce. 
Now that's my interpretation, I think, of 1 Corinthians, which says the spirit, the natural man cannot receive the things of the spirit, neither can he know them, for they are foolishness to him. He's a spiritual dunce. For they are spiritually discerned. So I don't, I don't care what they think. But all you Christians who hear this and are, are, are encouraged to get with the crowd and denounce me, you know what I'm saying is true. You might have never thought about it that way before, but you know what I'm saying is true. And you know all this trans stuff, I don't care how much you, oh, but we have to have compassion and we have to, yes, we do. We love these folks. We pray for them. But compassion is not going along with this like, oh, well, I really understand. No, you're not supposed to understand it because it's wicked. It's twisted. It's demonic. Christians aren't supposed to understand it. We're supposed to come against it. The Bible says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Rather expose them. I suppose be in partnership with that mess. Compromising because you got a job with Fox, you got a job with some agency. Oh, I don't want to. We have we have homosexuals working for us, and we don't want to. Look, I, I love those people. I love them all. And and look, and and I don't disagree with most of these conservative homosexuals about most of the things that they espouse. Probably I would be in agreement, but I'm not in agreement that homosexuality is good or right or normal because the Bible does not teach that. And besides that, folks, how in the world are people going to repent of their sin if we don't tell them that it's sin and tell them that it's wrong and tell them who it associates them with, with the ultimate rebel against God, Satan himself, who would not accept the identity that God gave him, but rebelled and wanted to establish his own identity, be God of his own life. How are they going to know if we don't tell them? Well, we merely mouth and and back up and, and compromise and oh well you know and oh please get off it be a Christian speak the truth in love fifth verse do you not remember that when I was still with you I told you these things and now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time in other words the Holy Spirit is restraining evil. And when the Holy Spirit finally withdraws from restraining evil, the, the Antichrist is going to be revealed in all of his demonic horror and darkness. It says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. See, it's already working. Or iniquity is used in the old covenant. The mystery of iniquity. I say that that's because... People can be so depraved that you can't understand it. It's mysterious. I mean, folks, I have to tell you, and here again, for all you establishment conservatives and Christians uh, who work in the, the media industry and are in politics, who like to do a little bit of a dance step around this stuff because, oh, that issue's already been settled. And by the way, nearly 10 years ago, the media jumped on me because I said, that this movement was sick and it was, it, these people were, were messed up in their heads. Now you've got a situation where you've got these same people telling you that they need to talk to three and four year olds about homosexuality and transgenderism. And is that sick or is that not sick? I was right then, I'm right now, it's sick. I'm not saying that the, the person living a homosexual lifestyle, minding their own business, not trying to push an agenda on other people, 
I'm not saying that that person is a danger or a threat to our culture, but I'll tell you what this activist movement is. These so-called LGBTQ activists are because what they really want to do is transform the culture after the likeness of Satan himself. That's what they want to do. They want us to be a demonic culture. They want us to be a depraved culture. They want us to be a degenerate culture. They want us to be a culture in which any and everything goes because then they can live and be and pretend to be normal because they basically denormalize everything around them. So in a denormalized environment, the abnormal seems normal. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. He who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. See, the time is coming when the Holy Spirit is going to be taken out of the way. And then evil is going to be unleashed like nothing we've ever seen before. That's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 24 when he said, there will be a time of trouble that the world has never seen, nor ever shall see again. You think we got trouble now with inflation and high gas prices and, and uh, supply chain shortages and, and the crime in the streets. You think we got a problem now? Multiply that by a million times. That's what the great tribulation is going to be. Multiply that by a million times. Because remember, you won't even be able to buy. You won't be able to eat. You won't be able to get anything without the mark of the beast. That will be necessary for any trading at all. In fact, you won't be able to live without the mark of the beast because you will be hunted down and murdered unless you accept his mark. The Antichrist is going to make Hitler look like a schoolboy playing marbles. That's how bad he's going to be. He, he will be the incarnation of Satan. He will be Satan in all of his deceptive and destructive power. The eighth verse says, and then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. That's his ultimate outcome. The Lord is going to deal with him with the breath of his mouth. That means the word of God and destroy him with the brightness of his coming. That means his glory. His glory is going to overwhelm Satan and overwhelm the Antichrist. See, that's why I say you won't need television cameras to know he's here. I don't believe, I believe I will be with him when he comes back because I, I'm a, I'm a, a pre-trip person. I believe in the rapture. I believe I'm coming back with the Lord when he deals with all this sin on the earth. But whether you believe that or not, one thing is clear. When Jesus comes back, nobody's going to be mistaken about what's going on. He is going to reveal himself in all of his resplendent glory. It says the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I'm going to come back 
and cover that in some detail. I'm not going to do it today because I'll go way over my time and I'm trying to, I'm shooting for 30 minutes these days. I'm not quite there, but I'll, but I'll keep working at it. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you so much for your prayers, for your support. If you want to contribute to what we're trying to do, go to, uh, you can do that either at bishopewjackson.tv or you can do that at standamerica.us or you can do it at thecall.org because this is a partnership of my church and Stan and me, obviously, uh, all working together to bring this programming to you. So God bless each and every one of you. And remember, stand up, step up, speak up, and refuse to back up because we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side.